From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. The future is uncertain. It's a pretty big cliche, but it feels pretty appropriate right about now. We, of course, don't know what 2021 will have in store in the tax world, but that's not going to stop us from trying to figure it out. On today's episode, our last of 2020, we're featuring three interviews with three tax attorneys who specialize in international, federal, and state issues, respectively. Jeff Leon spoke with all three of these attorneys this week about what we can expect to see in the coming year. And to give you a little preview here, all of them said that the fallout from this plague year will be the dominant force shaping 2021. We start off with Irina Pisareva, a partner at the firm Sullivan & Worcester, who works on cross-border tax issues. She talked to Jeff about what's on the horizon globally for the coming year. One thing that has happened, we're all working remotely, and guess what? We can do it in many cases, especially for you and I, we are so lucky to work from home. And what this means is that people's positioning as far as um, you know, diff- their connection with different tax jurisdictions has changed. Expatriates may have gone back to uh, their countries of origin. People in the U.S. relocated across the state line. So all of this will have to be addressed. It's going to be a big undertaking. When we talk about workforce, people who provide services, which is most of us are because we are becoming increasingly a service economy. So the general rule is that services are sourced, the income for services is sourced where services are performed. And, you know, that paradigm has been challenged so much during the pandemic in the U.S. as well as globally. So I'm wondering if you could talk about any specific cases or legislation that may be coming up for 2021. Yeah, I think we will continue a lot of um, uh, litigation in the transfer pricing area. And what transfer pricing really is, to explain it to non-tax people, it's the allocation of profits between different tax jurisdictions. It's not unique to the U.S., there are, you know, significant transfer pricing cases outside of the U.S. You know, whether we're talking about mini- minimum tax or we're talking about, um, you know, prevention of profit shifting to low tax jurisdictions, ultimately, it's all about transfer pricing, right? What is the arm's length amount of profits to allocate to a particular jurisdiction? So... With the change in administration, I'm curious just to see if you have any thoughts about what a Biden administration would bring some of these tax issues for the next year. Well, President-elect Biden uh, did put out a pretty significant tax plan. So, yeah, and, and he did make a comment, uh, you know, I don't want to misquote, but he feels fairly strongly about increasing the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%. But... You know, I I don't know how quickly this is going to happen, Jeff. I think that, you know, the new administration will focus on tackling, um, you know, the pandemic. um, And and perhaps, you know, obviously they will have to look at some of the trade tariff issues uh, because of, um, you know, some of the things like the French tariff uh, going on, going into effect in early 2021. So it's it's hard to it's hard for me to envision a very aggressive tax reform action, at least in the first half of two thousand twenty one, because I, I just think we have 
um, you know, much more uh, urgent issues at stake right now because of what we're going through. Just the vaccine distribution and making sure that we can go back to some sense of normal or new normal by the end of summer, that's going to be, um, you know, paramount, or it should be at least, and I think it will be. That was Irina Pisareva, a partner at the firm Sullivan and Worcester. Next, we take a look at what's happening on the federal level here in the U.S., and for that, we turn to Mark Gerson with the firm Miller and Chevalier. Even on working on that, you know, the kind of combination COVID slash omnibus legislation that that was signed this week, there was a recognition, and and I think President-elect Biden referred to it as a down payment on future legislation, and I think there is you know, bipartisan and bicameral agreement that there needs to be uh, more legislation and more relief provided to address the coronavirus crisis. And so I would think the coronavirus relief and economic stimulus will really dominate the legislative and therefore the regulatory agenda from a tax perspective in 2021. There are some other items that I think will be addressed later in the year. There obviously will be a big push on this coronavirus stimulus package um, early in 2021, but there'll be a need for kind of some maintenance type legislation. And then I also think there's interest in addressing so-called tax extenders, which are temporary tax relief provisions that expire um, on a on a regular basis. So, you know, are there any recent cases or like legislation uh, to watch for for next year? Sure. So I think um, a lot of there will be a lot of legislation. I think there's some chance that the the um, legislative year starts rather slowly. There's obviously been, you know, kind of this delay in transition for, you know, kind of political reasons. And there will be a need for, you know, the president to seat his cabinet, um, deal with those transition issues, um, and then also spend a lot of time on on COVID relief, you know, primarily from a non-tax perspective, but from a tax perspective as well. And so kind of the regular order of, of legislation may be delayed because of that, these transition issues, and then kind of the focus on COVID legislation. Um, I think we may be in an environment where outside of COVID legislation, there, there isn't standalone tax legislation, but you could see tax provisions um, that are included in other moving pieces of legislation, such as, let's say, an infrastructure bill. And lastly, I kind of want to ask you, you know, uh, any thoughts on what a new uh, Biden administration may bring to these matters? Yeah, I think that's a great question. President Biden, as part of his, ta- you know, platform, you know, proposed a number of major tax policies, mostly to raise revenue, so increase in the corporate tax rate, um, uh, a minimum tax, uh, increase in individual rates, and most of those were used to fund other policy objectives, such you know, healthcare, green energy. Um, I think there's a different environment given the close, you know, um, the narrow majorities in the House and Senate that a lot of those big policy initiatives, and therefore I think a lot of these big proposed tax increases are largely off the table, very hard to kind of get through a a Congress where there are such narrow margins. And so I would look for the annual budget process 
as a mechanism that the Biden administration may use to lay out these big tax proposals. I think at the same time, you also will see um, a lot of things happening uh, from the Biden administration from a regulatory perspective. Uh, First, and I know there's been a lot of discussion that I think the Biden administration will take a fresh look at regular, you know, tax regulations and other guidance issued under the Trump administration. And then I think there will be, because I think there will be frustration of, you know, an inability of a Biden administration and a Biden Treasury Department Department to do some things it would like to do legislatively. And so it may look in those areas of interest and try to do things from a regulatory standpoint. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to see kind of what the, you know, there are a lot of different ways the Treasury Department can go in pursuing um, different priorities. And so I think it'll be very interesting to see what, you know, they prioritize and what they work on first. Again, I think a lot will be dominated by COVID relief and economic stimulus. But I think beyond that, I anticipate them being very active um, in pursuing the president's agenda. And I think that can take a number of different forms. But I think, you know, taxpayers and companies and their advisors are going to need to be very attuned to what the administration is focusing its efforts on from a tax perspective. That was Mark Gerson with the firm Miller and Chevalier. Now, finally, we end with the view at the state level. For this perspective, Jeff spoke to Jeremy Abrams, a counsel at the firm Reed Smith and also a member of Bloomberg Tax's State Tax Advisory Board. Jeremy spoke about how states will manage their tax revenue during what could be a very gloomy economic period. So the question for taxpayers, uh, both corporation, corporate employers and em- individual employees, is you know, what do we do for um, tax purposes for 2020 while we're working from home, and what are the implications there? Um, and I think about half the states have issued some type of guidance uh, to at least tell folks, you know, what what should be done. Uh, but but another uh, large section of the country has not issued guidance, uh, and it's an open question, and that leaves both employers and employees a little uh, unclear on what to do. On the sales and use tax side, now that companies have employees working from home, uh, there could be a concern that you now must collect tax uh, in that jurisdiction if you didn't otherwise have to. Now, this may have been a bigger concern before Wayfair, where there's now there's a, a bright line test for whether you have um, collection obligations for sales and use tax purposes. But nevertheless, uh, states may take the position that you, if you have a state, an employee, excuse me, residing in our state, uh, that you now have physical presence nexus uh, and you must collect uh, tax for your sales to this state. It seems like there's a lot of competing interests between these states. So, you know, my next question for you is, are there any big cases or legislation that you see on the horizon that might be, uh, that might have an effect on state tax issues for the next year? I think a lot of these issues uh, are related, you know, there's policy issues, uh, legislation and cases. So, for example, the states um, expanding their False Claims Act to include tax matters. Uh, False Claims Act, we're talking here about uh, key tan suits. Um, whistleblower suits, if you will. And traditionally, tax matters have been excluded from these um, types of lawsuits and legislation uh, precisely because tax is an area where you have a dedicated uh, body uh, on the federal side, the IRS, on the state side, the Departments of Revenue, who are tasked with auditing uh, returns 
um, and uh, issuing assessments and dealing with tax issues. Uh, now, uh, if, if false claim suits are expanded to include tax issues, what that means essentially is uh, that you, as a, as a taxpayer, could have completed an audit. Let's say it's a sales tax issue. You completed an audit. The state said that there were no issues with how you collected tax. Um, the statute of limitations expires. It's now eight years later, uh, and someone, a uh, whistleblower in the company or, or an unrelated person can go to the attorney general and say, I, th I think Company X uh, failed to collect sales tax on transaction A, um, and now the attorney general can investigate that. And the company, you know, many years later, on a complex tax issue that's already been audited, uh, can be subject to uh, serious litigation and investigation by the attorney general um, and treble damages. Uh, and so it's just a really concerning uh, trend that we're seeing. Uh, the District of Columbia is one that right now the D.C. Council uh, is looking at approving a False Claims Act expansion. I think California's looked at it recently, but it, it did not pass. Um, but this is something where um, I think states just around the country are unfortunately looking to do because it's, it's, a, it's another area where states can um, increase uh, their revenue. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Um, so my last question to you is um, what effects, if any, would a Biden administration have on some of these topics? Yeah, I, th I think it's very unlikely that this will have large implications for, for state and local taxes. There are certain bills that get introduced in Congress year after year, even dating back to uh, both Republican and Democratic uh, administrations. Uh, and it's, just, it's simply um, uh, unlikely that anything is, is going to change or get passed uh, in these next couple of years of, of major significance. That's, that's my opinion, of course, that you know, anything can happen. That was Jeremy Abrams, a counsel with the firm Reed Smith. Before that, you heard Mark Gerson with the firm Miller & Chevalier and Irina Pizareva with Sullivan & Worcester. They spoke with Bloomberg Tax's Jeff Leone. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website is news.bloombergtax.com. If you have any thoughts about this episode, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax, just that, at tax. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, and Jeff Leone. Kathy Larson is our editor. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. This is Adam Allington, and I'm here to announce a new season of Uncommon Law, a narrative podcast series from Bloomberg Law. Black Black my co-hosts and I will speak with African-American attorneys and hear their perspectives on how big law is, or in some cases isn't, adapting to become more diverse and inclusive. It's not fair, but what can be better than being on the front lines of helping to make this country better for all of us? If not us, who? If not now, when? Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.